yo, Michael, you don't know shit. Get rid of your ego and let data drive all of your decisions. TikTok is Coca-Cola. Instagram Reels is LA Ice. They went, fuck it, we're going to be weird. And they did weird really well. Man, I get so horny about this shit. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and director at e-commerce talent agency eSuite. The mission of today's guest is to make brands that people don't hate but I don't think that's doing himself much justice. Michael Beveridge is the content director at Bailey Nelson, the eyewear company, and he's led creative at brands like Koala and Good Pair Days. From that alone, you can see that we're not talking about the typical creative here. Michael makes retail creative that truly stands out. In this episode, we talk about the benefits of an internal creative team versus an agency approach, especially for those brands that are in the startup phase. We talk about how to use data to free up creativity in performance marketing and also how to stay on top of culture and trends to avoid middle-aged bitterness. I feel like that was firmly directed at me. There's lots of swearing and at times inappropriateness in here. For anyone who's been around creative teams, this won't come as a shock, but if you've got kids around, you just might want to be careful, but it is hugely entertaining. I just love this chat. It was recorded at 7am during lockdown, so please forgive the garbage trucks, the breakfast noises, and a special guest appearance from my daughter, Grace. What a world we live in right now. Thanks to our partner, Shopify Plus and Signet. Here's our conversation with creative extraordinaire, Michael Beveridge. Michael Beveridge, welcome to Add to Cart. I shan't abandon this cart, buddy. Hell yeah. You are too kind. After going down to your local servo and not being able to get Mm. coffee, you're still here. Thank you. Yeah, well, Caltex rebranded to an Ampol, and the first day of Ampol, no coffee. So, big, big, big uh, brand hit there for the Ampol crowd. Not a good start. You're a, you're a, a creative. <laughs> why are we why are we doing this at seven a.m. in the morning? What kind of creative are you? Oh, mate, credit director, sort of startup focused writer, comedy writer, like basically just help. I like communicating in a non cringe manner. That's generally, which is bold and rich coming from someone who worked on commercial radio. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's pretty bold. But I, I think I've got a decent knack for communicating at a, like a capitalism level to people in a way that doesn't make them want to just switch off and hate your brand. Yeah. I think that's where we're at in marketing in, what, in 2021. <laughs> that's the benchmark. <laughs> we just don't want them to hate our brand. Uh, yeah. Pretty- so. Yeah, a vague, broad creative with a, a writing background. Yeah, nice. And it, and you've recently feels like you've made a re- really pinch play at D to C brands um, with Koala, Good Pair Days, mm. and now Bailey Nelson. Yeah, um, I mean, realistically, Bailey Nelson. This is a funny thing. I went in there. Bailey Nelson has the brand feel of D to C. You know what I mean? But it's not. You have to go into a retailer and get an op- like an optometrist to do an eye test and the. We'll discuss this later, but like the, the, there's no real conversion event. So like if you're building out a funnel with like an add to cart or, you know, like metric, that doesn't work because we've got to get you in store. And from Yale book my eye test to in store, 
Bloody could get pregnant. Bloody could could fall in love with Nath. You know, there's a million things that could happen. Footy team could lose. You could be like, nah, stuff that don't want to see anything anymore. And so I'm not like as a marketer, in a, you know, in a creative second, like uh, it's an interesting one for me. So Bailey Nelson isn't a DDC, but it's got a DDC feel, I think. Has it always uh, been pe- that way? Oh, mate, I'm two weeks in, slow down. Uh, <laughs> no, it started, yeah, it started at the Bondi Markets with um, uh, the boys sort of 2011, 12-ish. And then it sort of scaled up. They had a, a decent brain to sort of understand there was a, a gap in the market with painful, op- I'm not going to say any other brands. I don't think I can now, but like the traditional offering was pretty uh, disjointed, pretty stuffy. And they thought, let's liven it up a little bit in exactly the same way Koala did with mattresses, uh, the same way that Good Pair Days sort of took to subscription wine, uh, you know, it's 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 a pretty basic model, I think, to make a billion dollars, which is pretty cool. And it's weird that none of us are doing it, except you know what I mean. Like we just love working in them. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I'm going to start a company and make a billion dollars. And then I went to Koala, and I started off at Koala, which was my first sort of foray into startup land. And I was like, I'm a pretty smart guy. And then I met Danny and Mitch, and I was like, Oh no, I'm broken. I'm a man with pudding for brains. Like these guys, like they were just, the amp was turned to 11 every second of the day. They were freaks of production of, yeah. So it was inspiring to see them in the way that it just made me realize I don't have to try and make a brand anymore because I'm about a billionth as talented as they are. So I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to help brands make funny ads and (laughs) help people not to hate them. What was it about Danny and Mitch? Was it the intensity or was it like clarity of thought that kind of set them apart from others you've worked with? Uh, process and intensity. Like we'd be out at Frankie's chugging, you know, double Jamison apples at 3 a.m. And I would, you know, I'd be physically dead the next morning. And they, like, I'll get in at 10 or 11 and I'll have been told that Danny's been there since 6 a.m., like working on an invested deck. Like, he's just built, like, he's built different. They're both built different. Uh, and I'm not. I'm built like a soft man. <laughs> so, like, it, it, was, it was inspiring for them because they just didn't waste any time either. Like, yeah. I'd just be talking shit in a meeting and they'd be like, all right, here's the actionable. Bevo, here's what you have to do. Onus is on you. Um, like, they'd implement, implement almost like sprint to just, like, catch-ups and stuff. So it was it was cool. I knew nothing about startups when I went to Koala, and by the time I finished, not to toot my own horn, but like my fundamental understanding of like digital marketing would be at a level that you know a lot of actual digital marketers would be at. I reckon. Yeah. Tim Tim Doyle is listening to this, going, "No, it's not. You're still an idiot." <laughs> Peter Shepherd Footwear pride themselves on delivering their customers the perfect fit. Unfortunately, this didn't apply for their own e-commerce technology. Stuck on a niche legacy platform, it took the Peter Shepherd team up to 24 hours to make simple changes. It's not quick enough in today's fast-paced e-commerce world. Enter Shopify Plus. Peter Shepherd migrated to Shopify Plus, including a full POS migration, reliable media library, and an automated reporting suite. Oh, and did I mention instant updates? As a result, 
Peter Shepard tripled their conversion rate and increased e-commerce revenue by 30%. Talk about some nimble footwork. To read more of Peter Shepard Footwear's story and to see other case studies, visit the customer section on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. To tell me, tell me, let's let's take a step back. We've talked about other people. We haven't even talked about what you do. What is a creative director in a, in a brand? It's an interesting one, right? So going into Koala, they had this notion led by Charlie Gearside, um, who is just a legend, to have in-house creative. The, the thought being agencies generally, in the way that, you know, Koala understood that there was a slowdown in the market with mattresses, Charlie and many other agencies as well, uh, uh, in-house places realized agencies, when you're in startup, in the startup world, you need to be hyper agile. You need to be super, super proficient at taking an idea, shooting, iterating, learning, optimizing, cutting, putting it up again, A-B testing. And what we could do in Koala with the team of Charlie as the sort of head of creative Matt Rossi, um, who's now over at Canva, he was our creative producer. We had a copywriter who was me originally, uh, videographer, graphic designer, and Annika, the brand manager. We would have got more done in a week that an agency would have been able to, purely by bureaucracy, get done in a month. We, and that's not even hyperbole. Like, I would happily say three days. So that was really appealing to me. I'd come from radio and I didn't know whether I was willing to go take a dive into the startup side of things. But when Charlie sort, when they sort of explained what was going to happen and how much work we were going to get done and how closely I'd be working with Tim Doyle, the CMO in like getting things done, like fun billboards or, you know, trying to do a Pornhub ad or, you know, ripping on Clive Palmer or, you know, just anything fun that, that happens at Koala it was ideated, written, and then sort of designed the next day as opposed to, hey, can we get the client on the line to talk about what's the process for getting a copy? Oh, he's done his six billable hours this week. So, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. it doesn't work when you're in hyper growth phase. So, Do you think that's any different? Does that matter if you're a startup or an established company? Like are the principles the same if you want to move fast and do out there work? I mean, if like if, if um, say – Woolworths wanted to eschew their agency. I don't even know if they have one, but whatever a big client is, if they were to get rid of their agency and go completely in-house. Yeah. Uh, no, I think if you're a massive one with like a million moving parts, it's pretty tough because you need someone to, like if you're putting, you know, 1.5 million to TikTok, that's a pretty big pie to have one person looking after. Uh, so at Koala, sort of by the end, as we really hit growth, we had project managers coming in and creative managers and then VPs of creative and a couple of creative directors. And like, I'm going to say that any company sort of 50 to a hundred employees is like ideal for having a creative director for an in-house team. You can be anything. You just need to have a unicorn. So Koala started with Charlie Gearside who could code. He went to Kofa. He was a copywriter and he could shoot like disgusting, putrid <laughs> level of skill. So it started with him and then he basically just got the bits that he wanted help in and then there we had our own little agency. And so to answer your initial question, a creative director at uh, an in-house brand basically does the work that an agency does, led much better by clearer access to data, more insight by touch points with 
employees and customers and a better finger on the pulse than an agency could ever dream of having just by the nature of being in the office. Uh, and you basically do the work of an agency. Yeah. That's basically what it is. So in, in my head, creative directors at agencies, way more nimble in terms of like just thinking lots of different things, but creative director at a, at a brand, like you have to know what your six different fonts are. Like, like you, you need to know everything because you're the last eye over it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a really cool position that I think a lot of people would do really well at, um, and I think a lot of companies in Australia are starting are starting to see how good in-house creative can be. Sports bet, so good. Who knows sports bet better than sports bet? Nobody. Who gets the data on what their punters are like putting multis in? Sports bet. The agency can't get that. Sports bet aren't going to give that data to an agency. So you've got Rocky or, or whoever the boys are there popping their head in. They're like, oh, you know, the quaddy here is blowing up. Maybe we should just do a and, – and they both have an X for a first name. Let's say, oh, let's call it the double X up for W20 back or some shit. Like they can do that. Yeah. And they can do that in 30 minutes. An agency just can't do that. They can think three months ahead. And I guarantee at agencies there'll be copywriters and little creative teams being like, we've got a great idea. And a CD who's just weather-worn with bureaucracy would just be like, mate, it's not worth it. Let's not bother. Yeah. Do you think there's let's- also a trust barrier – from an agency. So even if you have a great relationship and an agency comes up with an idea, it still takes them a while to pitch the idea to a brand and get a brand on board. Whereas if it comes internally, there's that level of, yeah, you're one of us. Well, you've got the best interest of us in like, I I promised myself I wasn't going to go too hard on agencies here, but like everyone listening that has been at a client side knows full well and has seen it firsthand agencies doing work that is clearly just to get an award so at koala we had a very very firm rule no awards you know what an award is roas you know what a reward is revenue that's what good creative is if your ad isn't bringing in revenue it's a shitty like revenue driving ad if your engagement top of funnel ad isn't bringing in engagement but it won a silver mad club award or some shit. It's a shitty ad. I'm sorry. Like it's, it's just the way it is. And I think everyone knows that agencies take their sweet time to get stuff done because they're justifying their existence for certain roles. People in the trenches, copywriters, art directors, finished artists, credit directors, even and account managers, they're, you know, they, yeah, they matter, but then you've just got, you know, your assistant head of strategic planning coming in and being like, uh, let's um and R on this. It's like, bro, you don't even, What's her name? What's you know what I mean? Like what name four of our products? Like like who's it? You know what I mean? Like you can't just get it from one of those Julian Cole strategy docs that are incredible. But like when we're talking about a business's future, like it's not just one of your clients. It's like this is their future, and they employ sixty people. Yeah. Like you can't just pop in. So I think I think agency can sometimes shoot itself in the foot, and they need to shape up pretty quick. I reckon like mm. that award culture and that. I reckon all of that's just a little bit silly to me and I'll probably get shredded for that. And they'll be like, you haven't won any. And I'll be like, false. I won a bronze bad club in 2009. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what's up? That's <laughs> <laughs> not an it's, award. It's weird that you're still wearing it around your neck, but. Bro, it keeps me grounded. I like bronze, it. always looking for gold. Brisbane for life. Hell yeah, baby.
It's funny that you talked about, actually, I was going to say they're on the um, agency side, and we'll, then we'll leave agencies alone. But it feels like retail's a different beast too, because like retail, no matter how shiny it is on the outside or how pretty or branded it is, it's still retail. And at the end of the day, sales still matter. So you need to know your product and you need to know what your sales mm-hmm. are. And you're like fucking in the trenches, whereas agencies rarely get in those trenches, right? Yeah, like I believe whatever agency is doing Aldi's work is doing incredible work. Yeah, They've got a single unified brand proposition and they do it well iterated across multi-platforms and it's pushing awareness and Aldi awareness. So Rev is great, but fuck, I don't even know how to say it. Is it Aldi or Aldi? Aldi. Yeah, so I've been saying Aldi for ages. No, I've got no idea. Yeah, neither do I. But like, I know that they do cheaper stuff and they check out stuff quickly and you have to bring a box. Like, so I need to learn more about the quality of their stuff. So when they had all those weird ads they did, they knew that they probably couldn't compete with Woolies and Coles spend. So they, they went, fuck it. We're going to be weird. And they did, they did weird really well. And they're pushing, I think, like really great top of funnel awareness. It's probably pushing through to lift in rev. Weirdly, Aldi aren't giving me that data. Weird. Well, apparently, they're um, going to go online soon too. They're, they're going to put their special buys and their uh, alcohol online very, very shortly, which will create a uh, internet. Are those special buys? Yeah, it'll just be like um, Click Frenzy, the first time Click Frenzy happened. Yeah. But Aldi will get it right. The Germans, you know, they can't deal with any more bad press in the world. So they make sure shit runs smoothly. So, yeah, no. So retail is a little bit, you know, we all remember Rivers ads. We all know like big W ads from back in the day before Kmart switched into gear. Like retail is a little bit yucky, but like you still... I don't think it's yucky. I just think it's not as pretty as other brands. It's just when it comes to it, it's down and dirty. (laughs) It's like it's it's get in the trenches and know your shit, know your data, know your... Get into the details. Yeah. And I think also one more more minor point uh, that I think is a fundamental flaw with the way agencies operate is there is... And I've dealt with it with so many people that I've had working under me. Performance ads are shit and I don't care about them. What is your problem? That drives 80% of rev. Are you insane? You can iterate. You can learn. You can A-B test. You can de-risk your campaign by running – like performance ads are the best thing in the world. And as much as anyone listening to this that worked at Koala with me and knew how much I hated writing performance ads – will be like you're being a hypocrite, but I do understand the value of them. You know what I mean? If And, and what's great is, oh man, I get so horny about this shit. Like when we run YouTube at Koala, we would always shoot three intros, right? Just to get past uh, that five second or six second bumper or trivial, whatever it is. Like we would shoot three intros and we would play them all. We'd let it run for a week. And, you know, the first five, 10 seconds of a YouTube long form is the most important and then we would just put all the money into that one. And shooting maybe 15 campaigns at Koala, how many times do you reckon I got it right as to which one was the better intro? I'm going to go 33%. Just once. <laughs> just just once. And it was so great as like a middle-aged white male creative who have the reputation of not a good thing at the moment to just go, yo, Michael, you don't know shit. Get rid of your ego and let data drive all of your decisions. You know how to make things funny, but don't make the decision about 
what the, what the inside is. Let the data drive you. And they don't have that at agencies. By nature, they, they don't have access to the data. Yeah. At Koala, I'd walk over to Tom Hunt and I'd say, mate, what's are we getting? We, like, he'd be like, oh, we've got cross-sell popping up between bed bases and mattresses uh, and, you know, white sheets. So maybe we could do something. And I'm like, okay, we'll make sure we use that in the next campaign we shoot. Everything was data-led. Like we made decisions on stuff that were all either led by performance ads going well, like we'd be like, oh, start post copy with just, oi, decent sale, A eh? versus Koala's birthday sale is here. And then we'd be like, oh, conversion's like 8% more on that one. Yeah. And we'd be like, cool, let's lean in on that. And then I'd know for the big picture campaigns, let's keep this tone because it clearly, like there was just so much learning and learning. Yeah. Whereas I know in agency land, and I, I reckon they hate it too. They do a campaign, it gets pushed off and they probably sit there and some of them are, like I remember asking when I was in agency, it was like, "How'd it go? Did it go? Did it go right? Like, do you want uh, a bagel? I see, like, I see a clothes sign on your business window, so obviously it wasn't killing it. Like, the campaign finishes and businesses try to do cut downs and scale and figure out which bits of it work, and then agencies try to hit the deadline for you know the way, whatever award shows coming up, and it yeah. feels and I and I'm sure not every agency person does it, but that's the reputation you got and. That's what it is, you know. And I think, are we talking specifically creative agencies here? Or are we talking broader than that? Uh, I no, because I think media agencies uh, are generally focused on. Oh, look, it's a very broad stri- strike, right? It is, it is. Yeah, no, super broad, and I don't mean to offend anyone, but if you're offended, have a look in the mirror. Um, <laughs> like people who aren't offended by that would be like, yes, because I don't do that. If you are offended by it, you probably do it, and you understand there's some truth to it, but. One thing at Koala, again, that was really groundbreaking was that we bought media. I would buy the media. Matt Rossi would buy the media to, like, because we would have an idea. Like We would be like, oh, there's a billboard outside Ikea. Let's do a funny Koala billboard. And let's just call JC Deco or O and ask if we can do it. And they'll be like, okay, let's do it. You know, like We would just do that. Like, and so when media is being bought by the creative team, you own the full spectrum of ways to communicate effectively. I remember there was nothing worse than like being like, oh, we're going to do some billboards. And the media agency would just be like, all right, here's your billboards. And I'd be like, oh, is there any way we can get billboards within 400 square meters of another mattress shop? And they'd be like, you can absolutely fuck off. We're not doing that. Whereas, <laughs> whereas because it's my idea and I want, it to, I want it to bloody sing, I'll sit down and I'll go through their, you know, their box and I'll be like, yes, I want that one. I want this one. Like, what are the shittest look like you know what I mean? What are the shittest looking uh, billboards that are in the middle of nowhere that we can just do the most insane message, have it up for a day, take a photo, put it on Facebook, boost it, work off the legitimacy of doing an actual billboard and not take a brand hit by people yep. driving by. There's a million different benefits for it, and I don't know why. Media and creative don't exist together. And I think it's to justify a degree at QUT that probably exists in media. I'm not even going to go down that track. I'm not, I'm not going to yeah, leave look, that one well alone. We've offended enough people already. Agency people hang in there. We're going to just move off. Um. <laughs> Mate, here's the, here's the difference. Agency people go to the creative shop's salary guide and look where you sit because I can guarantee my wages do not aren't commensurate to agency wages. And that's because you guys have a system. You have things like you must be well awarded to get a job. Like I can never imagine the like you, yeah, yeah. like it's very gate gatekeepy to be at that level and you get paid really well. So if you're upset that I don't like the way you work, look at 
two houses you probably have or, you know, the three pairs of RMs you own. Oh, I'm bitter this morning. The no coffee's kicked in. You, like, I feel like I need to run to Sydney to get you a coffee. No, no, I'm good. It's the fact that I just don't use Twitter anymore, so I've just got to take my vitriol out somewhere else. It's great. It's great. And keep in mind, some of the the most amazing people are in the space, but just going to what could be considered the benchmark startup marketing team in Australia, if not the world, Koala, and if anyone questions it, we were, we were sick. I, I, I could see where you could optimize at an agency level. And I think there's a there's an agency starting, I think it's called like Accentuate or it's got an A and a C and a Q and it's like we are an agency for startups because they understand you can't put a diesel engine in like, it's like, like yeah, it's like an agency is a diesel engine and startup world is petrol and it's like, no, it doesn't work. Mm. Like, yes, agency will probably get you like more grit and I don't have a car so I don't know how this analogy is going to turn out but like you know a big tank that's an agency and a quick MIG zipping about that's that's a startup um, team yeah yeah I want to I might regret this question but I want to get inside your head <laughs> sadness <laughs> oh. Philadelphia 76ers and sadness <laughs> um, can we talk about an ad uh, like because you you mentioned a couple of those koala campaigns it doesn't have to be koala but you mentioned around the Clive Palmer the outside the IKEA the Pornhub mm. and, and and some of those campaigns can you talk us a bit to us about a campaign that's always stuck with you and the process of coming up with the idea all the way through to execution um so like the benchmark for a lot of startups in like starting to get into that hyper growth phase of being like, oh shit, we're on here boys is the koala. They hate us story because if a creative watches it, they'll just be like, it's shit. But if a brand owner and a customer watches it, it covers it's, we, we call it edutainment in that we don't have, I think we were at like, una, like unaided brand awareness of like four or 6% or something when that kicked off. So we couldn't be silly because people would just remember silly. They wouldn't remember who we are. We couldn't tell them who we are in a boring way because we wouldn't get any view-through rates. And it was a long form leading on YouTube. So we had to figure out a way through editing, through iterating, through testing, telling the entire premise of Koala, all of the really engaging bits, the free for our delivery, the fact that we needed a common enemy to unite the viewers, being Big Mattress, you know, we've all had a shared experience. Like there was a lot of great thinking in 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 that for a script that was written pretty quickly. Charlie and Danny and Tim uh, and Mitch sort of briefed me and the uh, karma. I'm pretty sure I wrote a bunch of it. Charlie definitely did a bit, but like they really explained what we were trying to do here. And we had this mantra of if we were good comedy writers, I'd be writing for Auntie Donna. You know what I mean? But it's not. I work in a mattress factory, so just shut up and sell the product. So I didn't try to be like have artistic license. It was like just write some funny, flowing content, cast well, chuck in what I call Easter eggs, which have gone through every bit of creative I do now. It's uh, An Easter egg is if you have a shot. So let's say we were doing, um, there'll be a bit where it goes, traditional mat- mattress shops make you come in and lie down for five minutes wearing your clothes. And that's not really how you sleep. We would have that bit, right? Which tells a point and we all go, yeah, it is weird that we test the bed we're going to have for 10 years in our clothes with shoes on while a man called Hank looks at you. And so that, that exp- like that's a shared experience and then we explain it really well. But the Easter egg 
was like, well, fuck it, let's get Aaron Gox, the comedian, to be the salesman. Because if you don't know who he is, you're just like, oh, yeah, salesman. If you know who he is, you go, fuck, that's Goxy. Oh, that's so sick. They got Goxy in an ad. Like things like that. Yeah. Or if there's a picture on the wall that's in the background and you can put like like a Napalm Death album in there and the 1% of the world that knows Napalm Death, they'd be like, is that a fucking Napalm Death album? <laughs> and like, bang, like they've just had an emotional connection with like, and there'll be a discussion point there. And if you're doing a two-minute video, you can fit in 20 of these. I feel you like you've I mean? become an Easter egg as well. Just watching, I, I can always say Michael Beveridge ad because I go, this looks like your work. And then boom, there you are. Yeah, well, got to get paid, baby. <laughs> you know what? And it was the partnership that we developed with Vidico, um, who are a production company in Melbourne, who are, uh, in my opinion. So we, we like how to look at bigger production companies and they're great. But like, you know, your Infinity Squares, your da da da. And the budgets were just, skits compared to what we did like we shot a shot a lot of stuff in house like they'd have like four ad's and i'm like what what you don't need someone to get coffee just get coffee be use your legs you need someone to get coffee well just whatever like or like the the person who hands out scripts i'm like no just everyone remember to bring your script like it's just wasteful and so we went to vidico who were sort of on the cusp of getting really great they worked with me incredibly uh, they now do all the stuff, like they've done stuff for Uber, Square, uh, Uber. think of a, the Udi, the Udi or whatever, like they, they're incredible and you can tell their ads pretty quick and I work well with their style, hyperdynamic, made for view through rates, double what's expected. Um, so yeah, that bit of creative from Koala really helped me understand what went well. And then after we put it to market, testing it and chopping it and being like, oh, Bevo, people are dropping out when you're on screen, so we're just going to cut your screen time. And me being like, that's great. Like, it's not an opinion. It's data. I can see the dip. Like, get it out of there. Just testing male and female VOs. Like, something so simple that we would just run two, run a male, female. Conversion was 7% higher on the female. It's like, cool, guys. From this point on, we use females. And no one tests that. They'll just be like, oh, this voice sounds better. For who? Put it out to the market. Like, it, yeah, there's a lot of things that data and performance ads can tell you, which a lot of creatives don't have access to. And once you do, it's like opening up whatever metaphor fits Pandora's box, but I don't know if that's evil. It's just sick. It's like learning mm-hmm. how to re- see the matrix because you understand everything, like, is there for a reason, performs for a reason, and it all works together. Like, post copy needs to blah, 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 blah. Just like the quest to find the perfect pair of jeans, finding eco-friendly packaging solutions that are a great fit, cost-effective, and look great can be a tiresome pursuit. Eco-friendly and zero-waste product brand EcoRoo were having this exact problem. Multiple suppliers, clunky packaging, inefficient processes. That is, until they found Signet and their adjustable cartons, which allows them to adjust the size of the shipment while remaining environmentally friendly. What a snug fit. Visit signet.net.au forward slash blog to find out more. Do you have a structure for how much or what type of data you look at? Because I can imagine for creative data could sometimes get in the way of ideas. Is that right or is that a wrong assumption? Oh, no. If you've got, if you're a creative director, if you've got to that level, you should have 50 ideas a minute. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to run out of ideas and something can. And, and, and it'll come in phases. Like, let's say I'm doing, you know, the new uh, prescription sunglass range from Bailey Nelson and I'm like, oh, I want to do a bit about 
something and I do it, the data shows me it's shit, makes me question my ability. And I'm like, oh, I guess that insight wasn't right. But I move on and then I just move on to the to the next job when we do optical uh, multifocals and I just try again because you've got to have confidence if you're going to be a creative. So no, I think the benefits far outweigh the, uh, the negatives. Um, I'm trying to think of a negative. No, it's just e- ego, bro. It's ego. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I reckon this will work. And they're like, no, it didn't work. And I'm like, did we, is this, what was sample size? Like, how many, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'll try to fit. And you can't fight the data. And once you get that creative wanker ego out of you, you just become like a really pure ideas person that's fed all of these wonderfully true numbers that come from the only person that matters, your customer. You know what I mean? Not bloody whoever's on the judging panel at Khan or who is the ECD at the next at publicist that you want to get a job at next because you know Johnny Winkins is going over to join, you know, bloody Gitsby Portestine in Wonderman. In, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like when you're in at a in at a like a in-house at, like agency, you're all in. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and you might have equity too. And, and, and I think from a data perspective too, it's different types of data because when you're in a brand, data builds on data, builds on data, builds on data, right? So it's not like every time you're going back to the well and go, hey, client, give me all your data for the last six months so we can analyze it. It's like, no, I've been living and breathing this and I've run campaign upon campaign yeah. and like I'm building out this rather than just one big dump. Yeah, and you know what's sick? Like... um we're at Bailey Nelson, like we're about to like maybe do our first sort of TikTok stuff, potentially. And the idea that we get a baseline audience, like who's going to be at a company to get a baseline reading on their Facebook audience? You know what I mean? Like that's 2005. Yeah. So like getting a baseline reading on what our audience is at TikTok, I think is really cool because we're trying to come up with ideas. And we're like, look, let's just run some basic performance and see who's watching, like see who this shit matters to. And think about that. People are writing ads without knowing that. Like, also with data, it's really funny that everyone's year on years have just been fucked as of about two weeks ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just like uh, year on year, we're killing it. <laughs> and we're coming into, yeah, March, April. It's just not a shit show, but it's just hard to measure, right? Um, yeah. What's your, what's your take on TikTok? What, 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 how do you see it rolling out? How do you think it, it'll change over the next couple of years? I think it's a really engaging... Uh, look, it's the future platform. It's it's really funny. It like skipped trendies and went straight to tradies and teenagers. You know what I mean? Like 38-year-old tradie TikTok is just so weird. And then teenage TikTok is, you know, they do their thing. But then you've got to think about like what songs does like a, you know, a 30-year-old woman sing in the car? And it's a song that Billie Eilish wrote or it's a song, you know, a, a 22-year-old so like the Billboard 100, it, they're mostly under 30. Like they're mostly under 25. So young people do shit and we all follow. So yes, we can say TikTok lame. And I know so many people did a year ago. Bro, TikTok is hilarious. Kids are so much funnier than us. Uh, they're at, from, from the ad platform, uh, I don't know enough about it to be totally honest. I think, I think from an, like an affiliate slash influencer strategy, I think it's incredibly valuable right now because you can, you can get like, the way it works is let's say I have... You may maybe a thousand follow like followers, but I get a two million video. If I'm a company, I'm like, bro, you've only got a thousand followers, so we're just going to give this to you on a contra deal. But that million video he did two weeks ago, it's like people will keep and you see a million video and you go check out their page. 
So like, yes, you know, the, the ge- geographicals of where those people are coming from might be a bit shitty, but I think you can like take advantage of influencer marketing on TikTok at the moment. Yeah. And with, um, I think, well, I can't remember his name. I think it's Mike Angel, but he's got VOP. Yeah, um, it's cool. He's been on here yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I take an interest in what he does just because I think anything, any click reduction you can do to conversion is always incredible. Yeah. And, you know, shopping and for Bailey Nelson, it's something we're definitely considering you know the idea of i mean we can't with optical because you've got to have prescription yada yada but for aesthetic driven sunglass or uh, non-prescription you know your hipster glass type look stuff it could be something that we do yeah and then that combined with afterpay and zip pay and stuff like where oh man that's the coolest hair <laughs> my, my daughter's just walked in gracie all right. That's all right. Gracie, we've got to talk. Great little cameo. So, yeah, no, TikTok is incredibly powerful. I'm not uh, – we weren't looking at that at Good Pair Days uh, and I have only had a first chat with them here and then I was at Koala. We sort of got so big we were taken away from the media. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little bit in the dark about that stuff, which I'm really excited about jumping back on board with with Bailey. I think it's cool. Like it's, it's really interesting with TikTok in that it's almost like you're starting to see – people create videos on TikTok and then just use them in other platforms. So it's like this video creation tool. But then like you said around the influencers, I love what they're doing around actually connecting brands to influencers, being the middleman rather than just going, do your best. Did you see that new Zip campaign? Yes. Really great. Yeah. Really great. Like, So we, we went and, you know, you do like a quick deep dive on your competitors. They would have in their TikTok like vertical assets with swipe up. And I'm like, well, swipe up to the video below, you idiot. Like, who? And, and you know, it's it's becoming more and more pertinent to not chop landscape to vertical just because it's easy. Shoot vertical. The idea that you go to a shoot and not have a vertical rig is insane to me. But trying to use Reels content over on TikTok and TikTok on a Reels, yeah. it's weird. It feels odd. TikTok is Coca-Cola. Instagram Reels is LA Ice. <laughs> Nice comparison. Mm-hmm. All right, we could. I know you've got a busy day coming up. You've got to. You've got a shoot to go to. So we've got. To, we've got to wrap up. We could talk for ages. But... Hit me with your hard ones, buddy. Go. Hit me. Hit me with your hard ones. Oh, I don't really have. Oh, this is the hardest one I've got for you, actually. Yeah. You got to work with Ian Huey Hewitson. He was my childhood icon. I learned everything that I know around cooking and salt from him. Bro, surely that's a career highlight. Is he a good bloke? Bro. So, firstly, <laughs> Ian. So. I got a lot of like, mm, why are we getting like, so initially I shot an ad for Sexpo featuring Huey and I wrote it and it was that he fucked up and thought it was for Mexpo, the Australian Mexican cooking festival. <laughs> it was a really funny ad. Um, uh, Kev who runs uh, Sexpo on Australian Tattoo Group, he was like, I got Huey. And I was like, all right, I'll do an ad. And then I worked with him and I was like, Huey is the perfect Easter egg because when it comes to creative, if you can, so frequency is what we're after with creative. We want to get frequency so people have recall. But you can cut through that frequency with comedy, really great comedy. That's uh, You can't guarantee that. It's just hard to do. Auntie Donna have done bad sketches, you know, like Seinfeld had dud jokes. Um, SNL haven't had a good episode since 1993. <laughs> but you can another way you can do it is nostalgia, right? So nostalgia, chuck in Toadie from Neighbours. And people go, ah, oh, it takes me back to a better day. Chuck in Huey. People go, ah, oh, Huey, I haven't seen him. Like, it's, like, that's a really great way to get 
my rule is always if someone's watching something you do and they look up and like go, ah, oh, you've just notched something in their brain and they're going to remember your thing. So uh, that's part of the Easter egg mentality. Like get someone, you know, we tried to get like, let's say in five years time, uh, we're going to do an ad and there'll be a bit that goes, uh, it's super strong, but delicate when it needs to be. And I'm going to get egg boy to crack an egg on someone's head and everyone will go. I remember that cultural touch point and yep. you know what I mean? So just doing that, especially if you're a startup, that doesn't have those big budgets. That's a way to get like cut through without frequency. That's awesome. There's some other ones too. I can't remember what they are. Comedy, nostalgia, um, and, uh, Sonic trigger. Mm. Sonic triggers aren't used enough, I don't think. And you can combine uh, nostalgia and Sonic trigger. What do you mean by Sonic trigger? Um, my dad, the, the, like just that, that, like, um, yeah. you know what I mean? Like just something like that, right? So they've done the work. Some people say this is like brand hijacking, but fuck them. If they're big brands, I don't care. Um, like, do like a not happy John. Yeah. You know what yep. I mean? Like, do G-O, G-G go away from me. Something like that. And, yep. you know, they've done the work. They had the media spend to get that frequency. And then you can just piggyback that. But as long as it makes sense, you can't just like mash it in quickly. Like, it's got to make sense with the tone and everything. Yeah. Uh, and so for any startup, like brands listening, like that's a really easy way to uh, to do that. Like, that's why meme formats work. I always say, this is a little hot tip for any creative out there that wants to like de-risk their idea. Go see if Batuta have written an article about it and it got lots of comments. Because what that does is, I mean, Brown Cardigan's another one too, but if if it's a meme or a post from Batuta that is popped off, there's a shared collective insight with that. And so you've de-risked the idea of it being relevant. Now you find a way to make that work for your brand. That's a great tip. I love that. Yeah, like the Batuta boys will hear this and they'll send me an invoice. And they'll be like, <laughs> cool, man. We're doing your market research for you. But it's it's straight up it. Like Brown Cardigan will do, you know, Brown Cardigan, bin chicken. Yeah. They de-risk that. Companies now could happily just be like, oh, you don't want a sandwich that tastes like a bin chicken. So at Subway, we have like they will say bin chicken in an ad because Toby at Brown Cardigan pushed the bin chicken. And swoopy boys, magpies, like the, like these things become part of the zeitgeist and they've been de-risk. Like there's so many opportunities for startups to win that like I don't know if you go into an agency and be like, oh, sort on brown cardigan, so I reckon it's pretty good. <laughs> like there'd need to be like a strat doc for it maybe. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. But I think too it's just about not giving up on culture. Like I think especially as we get older, we kind of fall into – our own ways and we go, oh, that's for the young kids or whatever. But it's actually not hard to keep up with it if you just expose yourself to TikTok Bro. or Brown Cardigan or whatever it is. It's easy. We all know it too because we remember being 14 just thinking like, oh, 35-year-old dad's just like not with it. And you remember getting a little bit older and you're like, oh, TikTok's dumb or like Billie Eilish is dumb, it's bad music. And you're just like, you know what? You've got middle-aged bitterness kicking in because you're not where you want it to be. But just be chill. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, just uh, you got to like, I, I like I do a bunch of like mindfulness and all that embarrassing, lame shit. No, nah, it's not it's good. Everyone should yeah. do it. But like, just being mindful of of any like tension, 
in your jaw and your shoulders and then you're like, where's that coming from? And it's like, you're angry about something. And it's why I got rid of Twitter. It just made me angry. Mm. And then being spiteful about like kids killing it on TikTok. And like, I remember thinking back in the day, like, oh, I got sort of a little bit of notoriety when social wasn't that big. Geez, if I got big on, you know, I would have killed it. It's like, it wasn't your time, man. It wasn't meant to be. It's chill. Like, just you got to make make do with what you got. Let the kids figure it out. And then in, you know, or try and be a clubhouse influencer, like the loser <laughs> you are. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's those are, those are some musings from me. Oh, mate, so much gold in there. And I love what you're doing. So, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, so generous. And um, just fucking breath of fresh air for us. It's just just nice to get that creative view and someone who just well i think you know like yeah uh, look i might i don't know my bosses might listen to this and be like you said fuck 38 times bro like you're representing us how do you not like i don't know they 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 won't they're wonderful people but um i think when it comes to e-com if you're a creative listening to this like learn performance get behind the facebook ads like get get into google analytics because it'll give you like so many tools that creatives that just go to award school and all they're interested in is, is ads. Yeah. Like you're going to be such a, and diversify your view. You know what I mean? If you go into an agency and you see more in the creative team, more than three pairs of RMs, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's insane. Yeah. Anyway, um, right. with Legend. the sound of that trash, that trash truck coming, We'll get rid of me and throw oh, me you out. You can hear that. You can hear that. What? That's not even a sound effect. That's not like a an, an Oscar kind Bro, of get off stage just, kind of thing. That's, just that's go a with real it. garbage truck. Living the suburban life. It's, it's fantastic. Anyone who's ever written and scheduled performance ads knows how brain-numbing and uninspiring they can be. But I love Michael's approach. He actually embraces performance ads because they act like an invisible test audience. Makes sense, right? It gives him the freedom to try different insights, ideas, and executions with little repercussions. He sees them as a way to broaden his ideas rather than limit them. And I thought that was a really refreshing take from this conversation. To finish up, I have three resources for you. Firstly... If you're a first-time listener of Add to Cart and you want to stay up to date with new episodes, head over to addtocart.com.au and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. We'll let you know every time a new episode drops, as well as giving you my three takeaways from each episode and a link to the transcripts so you can know that this is an episode that you want to dive straight into. Secondly, if you want a weekly roundup of the best e-commerce case studies, tools, and research, Sign up to the High Five Friday newsletter, which is delivered to inboxes at 8 a.m. every Friday morning. I read all the e-commerce news and send you the bits that I think you can take action from. Sign up at 12high12high.com.au forward slash high five. And the last thing, if you are looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, head over to esuitetalent.com.au. We are a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands. Check it out, sign up to the email and get in touch with me if you want to discuss your next move. Until next time, thanks for listening and keep those customers adding to cart.